0: If You Know, You Know. But what happens when you don't know? Here we go! What to do when it comes to navigating the most important areas of your life. In the City First series, If You Know, You Know, we'll learn how to apply God's wisdom and be in the know on how to win in life. Now you wash the dishes. You tidy up the room, you clean the fireplace, and I will use the broom. <whistles> Just whistle while you work, and cheerfully together we can tidy up the place, so I'm a merry to. Jo- it won't take long when there's a song to help you set the pace, and as you sweep the room, imagine that you. is a super accurate depiction on how most of us spend our days at work, right? I mean, we're just whistling away, everyone's carrying the load, no stress at all, it is a dream, right? Well, of course, that doesn't seem like it's the reality. No wonder kids grow up and they're disappointed because they watch cartoons like that and they think that's what work is supposed to look like. But I recently was talking to someone and they told me, you know, I just survive through the work week just to make it to Friday, just to the weekend. And, and, and when they said this to me, I thought, wow, that... That mindset, that, that, that's kind of sad, but I also would say it's not abnormal. Like, according to a Gallup poll recently, get this, 70% of all workers are disengaged at work, meaning they show up only to do the bare minimum. 70%, 70%, you know, and, and that was, that was taken, that, that poll, before COVID. I mean, think about that. You know, Forbes magazine reported the fall before COVID, in other words, fall 2019, that 50% of U.S. workers are, quote, unhappy in their jobs. Unhappy. That's one out of every two. Now, I wonder what the percentage would be right now after COVID, right? In fact, uh, you can read all kinds of surveys, all kinds of data, many of U.S. workers feel undervalued. They feel undercompensated. In fact, depending on the survey, it's pretty safe to say that a large percentage of the U.S. workforce is just not having a good time in their present careers. They're just not happy at all. In fact, it it seems like what they're doing every day is just a means to an end, like just get money to pay for the cost of living and hopefully have a little bit extra to have fun with on the weekends. That seems to be the general consensus. But here's my question to you. Do you wanna do that for 45 to 50 years of this one and only life that you have? Is that really how you want to live? Just survive 45 to 50 years in a career, doing jobs, that really you're not happy with. It, it, it just doesn't seem very life-giving to me. So, so as it pertains to work, here's a question that I'd like to ask all of us to answer privately. Am I living in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow? Am I living in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow? tomorrow. You know, I want to take a moment and welcome everyone here at our City First Church family, whether you join us online, whether you join us at City First Anywhere, at our Cape Coral Southwest Florida location, God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy, and obviously here at the Spring Creek and the State Line locations. Thank you for joining us today, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat, today is a meat and potatoes kind of sermon. You know, some sermons are like a steak dinner. Some are like Taco Bell, all right? But today, today is all about kind of the meat and potatoes. It's, it's the basics. It's a staple, but it really is nourishing, and you as the spiritual body need it, all right? Today, I'm going to talk about the two opposite extremes of how we focus on work, and today we're wrapping up this series called, If You Know... You know, and we're talking about uh, the book of Proverbs, which is uh, titled the book of wisdom. It's found in the Old Testament, and we're seeking wisdom for our everyday lives. That we will be doing all month, but today we're 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 taking a moment and we're focusing on the subject of work. And and this month I've been asking everyone to go ahead and read a chapter of Proverbs every day, corresponding with the date. And and maybe it's even your first time. You're like, well, that's a great idea. What's this book of Proverbs? It was written by the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth outside of Jesus himself. His name was Solomon. And, and every day, just read whatever that date is, read that chapter. 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and it is not too late for you to start. You could even start today and continue, even though our series um, will, will uh, discontinue after today. You could still learn from the book of Proverbs. We say this that your decisions. Um, make you. In other words, you make your decisions, and your decisions make you. And we need to make wise decisions. And the foundational verse every week we've been talking about is found out of Proverbs chapter 4, and it says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So today, let's get some godly wisdom about what we're going to do for 45 years of our life, and that is work. Work. All right, we're going to talk about that. Now, first thing I want to say is this, is that work is not a four-letter word. Well, it is, but you know what I'm saying here, all right? Work is not a curse word. Work is not something that, that we should shun. It's not, it's not a part of the fall of, of, of man or woman, you know, back in the Garden of Eden. I want you to know this. I, I realize that sometimes work is difficult, but work was a part of God's plan before sin entered the world, before we screwed everything up, when we blew off God. In fact, this is the thing. We were not originally designed by God to just sit around and do nothing, Alright, you hear that? Like, like, Like entertainment was not God's original plan for our lives. We were originally designed first for a relationship with God, but second to have what the Genesis says is dominion over God's Creation. So, what does that word dominion mean? Well, let me go ahead and I will read for you right out of Genesis chapter one. This is before sin entered into the picture, and it says this in verse twenty-six. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. We're made in the image of God. That's important to know that. And let let them have dominion." Over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, God wants us to steward his creation. That involves work. That we were to take care of the garden Adam uh, had had to name all the animals we find in Genesis chapter two, verse twenty, so again, work had to be done in the garden, like like Adam and eve weren 't just sitting around, you know uh, eating eating fruit <laughs> they ate the wrong fruit eventually, but that 's not what they did, all right Instead, they were actually working but here 's the key: working turned into something different after sin entered the world. We go to chapter three now. And it says this, all the days of your life, God says to Adam and Eve, you will have to work hard. It will be painful for you to get food from the ground. You will eat plants from the field, even though the ground produces thorns and prickly weeds. You will have to work hard and sweat a lot to produce the food you eat. And this is not just literal, it's a metaphor. In other words, from what we understand, it sounded like work was effortless, it was fulfilling, it was easy, and it was unforced before sin entered the world. But now that sin entered the world, now work is hard. It's painful. It produces fatigue. And and here's here's the question that I have for us today as we spend 45 50 years however long working now under the curse of sin my question today is this can we reverse the curse can we reverse the curse Can work not just be something that we get through to make it to Friday night? Could it be something that is more life-giving? Does it have to be the grind that we do for 45 years? Or or I believe this, that God can redeem work and make it actually a fulfilling effort, something that we look forward to. Yeah, sometimes work is hard, but it's not something that we just painfully get through for decades of our lives. It says in Romans 8, it says this, For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. That is such a powerful line. It's such a powerful line. You know, we had to endure the empty futility. You know, it just seems like, what is life? What are we doing? We just work and then we die? I mean, you know, there's empty futility in it because of the consequences of sin. But now, with eager expectation, Paul writes, all creation longs for what? Freedom. Freedom from the curse. Freedom from the curse in every area of our life. From its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. I'm telling you, God's children, that's you and I, if we understand this, that we can see God reverse the curse in our lives. That we don't have to be underneath the drudgery of working for decades and decades and decades only to just try to make it to the weekend. But rather instead, God can reverse the curse. He can give us, as his children, a different perspective and an experience, a different experience when it comes to work. God can reverse the curse inside of us. He did it with salvation, right? So why can't he do it with work? So here's a foundational truth. Work is a privilege, it's not a curse, Now, unfortunately, work has been cursed because of sin, but work in its original form was not a curse. It's actually a privilege. So here's a question. What is God doing right now? What is he doing right now? You ever thought about that? Like like right now, what is he doing? What's God doing? Well, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's working. He's working. He's working in this world. He's working in people's lives. He might even be working in your life. He's working in nature He's even right now working to prepare a place in heaven for you and I. Like, like he's doing construction right now. You understand that? Like, like God is not just sitting around on a cloud somewhere binging on Netflix. He's not just wasting time. He is working 24-7. So there's the thing. If we're made in the image of God, then guess what? We are to work also. That's not a bad thing to work. In fact, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, Elliot a, a wonderful woman of God, She wrote this, This job has been given to to me to do. Therefore, it is a gift. Therefore, it is a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly if it is done for him. Here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way in this job, not in some other, God looks for faithfulness. What a great perspective. And you know, Proverbs is full of all kinds of verses and thoughts and truisms about the value of working. And we're going to look at them today. And so today I want to speak to two polar opposites Polar opposite concepts today when it comes to work, all right? And I pray that I will help some of us understand that work can be redeemed and it is something that's valuable to us as humans in our existence. And I'm going to speak to two totally different bookends, you could say, of this volume of work. And, 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 and you know what? I believe in speaking to these two separate Polar opposites, I'm going to catch all of us in some way or another with some truth as they're going to help us with uh, our work. So the first concept is this. We must have a strong work ethic. All right, this is one bookend. We must have a strong work ethic. Proverbs is full of all kinds of verses on this about the value of hard work. You know, through a good work ethic, what happens? Well, we honor God. We honor God with our work. When we when we have a strong work ethic, we're actually in our life and in our actions we're honoring God. We we have we actually are having a good testimony you could say. We we form godly habits. Like when you have a good work ethic, you have godly habits that are being formed in your life. We are rewarded with prosperity. They're, they're, these are these are like truths from the Book of Proverbs. In other words, when you work hard, you are blessed for it. You get paid for it. Like, does that make sense? Like, payday comes to you so, most of the time monetarily, but also in other ways. We also have a sense of accomplishment. Like, when we work hard, we we put our head down on the pillow at night, and we 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 sense accomplishment. We we did something. We create good. That's another thing. You know, when we work, we're creating something through our work. We're creating something that's beautiful, that's good, that will benefit not only ourselves, but it will also benefit others. Like, when we work, we're creating something for this world. And again, if we're made in the image of God, he's the ultimate creator, right? Which means we should be creating, too, in our work. And so, it's kind of interesting in... um, Bloomberg Business Weekly um, on March 21st of this year, so just you know weeks ago, um, there was an article called "The Curious Case of the Hard to Find Workers." The curious case of the hard to find workers. It went on to read that get this, 40 percent, 40 percent of small businesses in America surveyed in February of 2020 by the National Federation of Independent Business reported that they had jobs they could not fill because they couldn't find workers. 40% of small businesses have jobs. Like they have They have the ability to pay people to work and 40% of them are saying, we, we, we can't find workers. This seasonally adjusted is the highest percentage since 1974. For small businesses, the highest percentage of, 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 of uh, not being able to find workers and yet having jobs available to them. This article went on to speculate that if the increased pandemic unemployment benefits and stimulus could be deterring people from wanting to go back to work. Like, now I'm not gonna get political here, I'm just stating some facts. I just, you know, I'm wondering if, if maybe, you know, these stimulus checks that, that needed to bridge us through a very difficult season in our nation, if these unemployment benefits that were meant to bridge us can now become detrimental if all of a sudden we're relying on them rather than getting back to work. You see, this is the thing. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm saying this. I'm saying what God says about work, and that is this. That you need to work because your work builds you as an individual. And and that, that we need to all be working somehow. Your work does not determine your value, but we are created in God's image. Therefore, we must create. We must contribute. We must honor God through our work. Our work allows us to be generous too. That when we work, we get resource that we're generous to others and to his church. There's a sense of accomplishment. All of this is important. And none of this takes place if we choose not to work. So it says in Proverbs chapter 10, it says this. It says that sloth makes you poor. Diligence brings wealth. Make hay while the sun shines. That's smart. Go fishing during harvest? That's stupid. (laughs) I know, some of you are like going, wow, hey, listen, don't shoot the messenger. These are God's words of wisdom when it comes to work. That we need to have a get after it kind of attitude. It also says in Proverbs chapter 14, hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. No bread on the table. It says in Proverbs 22, observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. These are just truisms that are out of the uh, book of wisdom written by the most wise person to walk the face of the earth outside of Jesus. And you know, really, boiling it down, it says this, you know, really, you're will just never you never going to admire the life of a lazy person. Like, if you see a lazy person, you're not going to be like, gosh, I want to be like them. Rather, who do you admire? You admire people that are successful in their fields. You admire people that have a work ethic. You admire people that create. You admire people that produce. You admire people that are taking this one and only life, and they're bringing beauty to this world through their work, right? Now i realize some of you some of you are in jobs that you don't enjoy right now and and your current job uh, is, is, is just not that fulfilling. Well, let me just bring some hope to that, that your current job doesn't have to be your forever job. Uh, back when I was in college, I worked in a machine shop, and I was in charge of the tool crib. And for those of you that work in a machine shop, you know what the tool crib is, right? Well, that's what I did. I was in charge of the tool crib, stocking it, checking out parts, delivering parts out to the lathes. I mean, all that kind of stuff. I will tell you, I hated that job. I could do it because I'm a very organized person, but I'll tell you what, I hated it. The days seemed to drag on forever. Eight hour shifts felt like 16 hour shifts, like literally, it just drag on and drag on and drag on, but I had to remind myself that this was just a bridge to get me to where I wanted to be. This job didn't have to be my forever job. It paid the bills, it put gas in the tank, and you know what, that was not gonna be my forever job, even though I had no idea what my next job was gonna be. So here's the thing. You can be in a job right now that you don't like, but you could make it a place where you do your best in that moment. And guess what? It sets you up for promotion to another job later, right? Here's here's the key found in Luke chapter 16. If you're not honest, this is Jesus' words, by the way, in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? You know what Jesus is saying there? is if you are faithful in the small areas, even in the jobs you don't like, God will eventually promote you to a place of leadership, to a position that you do like. So right now, you may be you know, flipping burgers. You might be delivering pizzas. You might be working in some sort of a retail sector that you don't like. You might even be in some sort of what they would call an executive role and you don't like it. Here's the thing. Be faithful in that area and God will promote you to another area. Be faithful where you're at. You know, I used to tell the, uh, the students all the time when I was a student ministry pastor, I would say, listen, take care of the car that you have right now that's like, held together by bubble gum and duct tape and prayers. Because if you take care of it, you change its oil, you keep it clean, you keep the floorboards bo- clean, don't be throwing McDonald's bags and having them pile up in the back seat. If you do that, God will see that you're a good steward of little, and guess what? He'll eventually give you better. So be faithful where you are at. And be looking for that promotion from God. So, we must have a strong work ethic. That's one end of the spectrum. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a 180 on you right now. And I'm going to flip the coin. And some of you are going to, I mean, it's going to be whiplash. All right, Ready? Here we go. Second concept, we must have a strong play ethic. You're like, a strong play ethic? Like, you're scratching your head right now. I thought we were talking about work. Yes. But it's very important that while you work, you also have a play ethic. It's two wings on the airplane. It's not just one. The way that your life takes flight is you have a strong work ethic, and you must also have a strong play ethic. The first part of this sermon, some of you need to hear that, that you needed to increase your work ethic. You need to get to work. You need to heighten the work ethic. But now, the second half of the sermon, I just want to say for some of us in here, you already have a work ethic, but you have no play ethic and you are just as frustrated with life as someone who doesn't have the work ethic and here's the reason why it's a balance of both and they are kept in tension solomon who uh, wrote the book of proverbs wrote another book called ecclesiastes it's found in the old testament so it's the same author all right the same wise man wrote Ecclesiastes, and this is what he wrote in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. So in other words, he's speaking there to those that don't have a work ethic, like they just fold their hands and kind of wait there, okay? But, all right, he goes on to say, and yet, so this is like where he flips kind of like the coin, and yet, better to have One handful with quietness, then two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. See, this is now he's speaking to those people that are workaholics, which some of you in the room are. If we had a little like W.A. meaning, like Workaholics Anonymous meeting here for a moment, you would stand up and you would say, hi, I'm a workaholic. My name is Jeremy DeWart, or you fill in your name, right? Because some of you, you work too much. You actually find identity from work. In fact, you find yourself so consumed with work, there's nothing going on in your life. So here we have the two concepts, a strong work ethic, but also a strong play ethic. In Genesis, God creates the world in six days, He creates the world. On the sixth day, he creates us. He creates human beings, all right? So when he gets done every day, he says it's good. On the sixth day, he creates Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that the very first assignment, okay, get this, the very first assignment that Adam and Eve had was to take a day off. On the seventh day, God rested. Now I know some of you are like, well, he rested because he was probably tired. N- n- no, he, he's God. He doesn't get tired. Does that make sense? He has ample resource. He has the ability to create and create and create every day and never get winded. So this seventh day was not because God needed to rest because he was tired. He was putting into motion a rhythm that all of us need to understand. For six days, God worked. And on the seventh day... He rested on purpose. See, rest is not a reward for hard work. I know some of you, I just threw you. Rest is not a reward. Instead, rest is a refueling so that you can do hard work. The very first thing that God wanted Adam and Eve to do was rest up because day eight was coming. You know what day eight meant? Dominion. It meant naming thousands of animals it meant doing a lot of work. So this is what rest is. Rest is refilling. It is filling the tank. It is replenishing. See, see, most of all on your day off, you gain perspective. You stop the rat race. You begin to value the life that God has given you, the work that you've done, the work that is ahead of you. You enjoy it. Like like you've accomplished something, and God wants you to sit in that accomplishment and enjoy it. Does that make sense? Be in the moment, not always in your work. I'm going to confess something to you here. I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm a type A personality. Um, I'm I'm driven, and uh, I used to privately think when people used to talk about taking a Sabbath, I I used to think, "Eh, that's kind of (laughs) lazy, I know, I'm confessing something to you right now. I used to just kind of be like, people, like, they get all, like, they're all passionate about their Sabbath. Like, I need to rest, I need to rest. I'm like, and they are the low-producing people. That's what I really thought in my mind. Now, again, I was wrong. I was wrong because I realized one day, God helped me realize this, that I didn't have a work ethic problem. I had a God-complex problem. I thought I could do it all. So if I work, 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 then you know what? I can accomplish these things. It's me, it's I. I had a God complex problem. I thought I was God. Now I didn't I I didn't think I was God, but my lifestyle maybe spoke to that, right? I mean, I, I I found myself, especially in the early years of ministry. I remember, I mean, we're talking like I was working 70 hours a week. I was, and there are times that you have to do that, all right? But I was doing it 24-7. I was working, 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 working. And finally, the Lord admonished me. And he said, hey, Jer, remember that verse where Jesus said, I will build my church. Not you. <laughs> You're expendable, Jeremy. You know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, this church still goes on. The reason why? I'm not in charge of it. He is. And I had to come to a realization of my place. And I started to realize that God had a rhythm of life. And you know, it's not just church. It's you, businessman, businesswoman. It's you, individual, professional that's out there working like crazy. Whoever you are, tradesman, whoever you are, I'm telling you that this thing doesn't all rise and fall on you. God is the one that builds And we must have a rhythm of working hard and then resting and then working hard. And so also I sort of realized Sabbath was not just for me to be quote-unquote lazy. It was for me to refuel because when I work 24-7, I become pretty dull. Remember that old saying? All work and no play makes Jeremy a dull boy. Well, it makes Jane a dull girl. It makes you a dull person. That, that when you work like crazy, you start to become shallow, hollow. See, rest and play. Rest and play is this tension. God wants us to enjoy life. He created us to enjoy a relationship with him and to enjoy his creation and to enjoy the work that we do because the work will always be there, but your kids won't always be there. Your work will always be there, but people won't always be there. The moment won't always be there. You understand that? Because, because again, we, we many times work, 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 and then we're done. And the very impo- important moments of life or the important people of life, we missed being there. Oh, we maybe were physically there, but we were not there. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So in Jesus, we find rest along with our work. That we are to work, we're to rest. And when you break from work and you take a day of rest, I'll tell you what you're remembering. You're remembering that work is not your God. You're remembering that work is not your identity, that it is important you're remembering to refuel for the upcoming tasks ahead, and that you enjoy the labor, the fruits of your labor. You enjoy what is accomplished. Like, like you know what, it's this moment that you're just like, wow. I said this to To Jen and to Lisa and all the gals after last weekend we had an amazing, you know, original women's conference and it was phenomenal. And lives were changed by the hundreds, and I would even say if you include online, by the thousands, there was a great ramifications in good ways of of what God did. But you know what? If we just take and we just go on to the next Super Bowl, we don't take a time and just sit in all of what God did and we just celebrate, we're missing out on the enjoyment that God has for our lives. We gotta stop and, you know, we gotta, we gotta thank God for that. In fact, two weekends ago, I mean, there were like over 80 people that signed up for for baptism. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was just person after person after person coming out of the water. And at that moment, I'm sitting on the front row here at Spring Creek and I literally said out loud, Jesus, this is why we do what we do. We have to sit in these moments, not just go on to the next thing. And some of us, we are so not present. We have the work ethic down, but we have no play ethic. We have no rest ethic. You know, in in Exodus chapter 24, God is speaking to Moses. And as we close, God is saying to meet him on a mountain. And, uh, it says the Lord said to Moses, come to meet me, come up to meet me on the mountain. And this is very interesting. He goes, and, and be there. <laughs> I just think, like, I, I love this version. It's of the new King James version. I, I just, I read this verse from time to time. It's just that God knows us so well, doesn't he? It's like, hey, meet me, Jeremy. Meet me, Cameron. Meet me, Lisa, meet me, you fill in your name. And and by the way, he says, and, and be there. Why? Well, because you and I have this amazing ability that is so detrimental to our soul. And the ability is this, we can physically be there, but not there, right? Oh, we're there, but we're not there. And some of us right now, work is keeping us from being there. We aren't there with our spouse. We're not there at our kid's soccer game because we're on the phone and we're having to text people and work, 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 work. And our kid is out, hey, listen, they're only gonna play soccer for a short period of time. And you're not there. You're you're not there with your kids on your day off. You're, You're not there for Sabbath because Sabbath is being polluted by all of the demands of work that you've allowed in the door. So (laughs) I told you today is gonna be meat and potatoes, right? I told you today is gonna be, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be straightforward, but it's something that's so important. We need to learn to develop a play ethic, and we need to, some of us, learn to develop a work ethic. And you'll make better decisions. Your brain will be sharper. You're gonna be more creative. You're gonna get more done in less time. You're gonna be healthier. If you have the right balance of a work ethic and a play ethic. Because this is what I know. We have one life. One life. And some of us today, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying the Lord will help us to awaken to the life that God wants us to have. That he is reversing the curse. That he can redeem work. And he also can redeem play in our lives. This is what I want you to do. I want you, City First, to be all the way there in this one and only life that we have.